Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, you can join me if you'd like in Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, we want to continue with this that we've been on on Wednesday nights, the mature believer. Uh, But uh, if I had a subtopic, it would be the answer to deception. The answer to deception. you know, there are, are things that we have to focus on that are pertinent to living a victorious Christian life. I've had people over the years, they would ask me, well, you know, why don't, why don't you talk about this? I, I had a meeting not too long ago with some people, and, and uh, one, a friend had called them, and, and they were talking about different things that were going on, and, uh, you know, uh, people, people that had... had made, you know, prophecies and whatnot, and, and uh, you know, they, they didn't come to pass, and they were asking me about this certain gentleman that got a petition up that's demanding that these people apologize, and, um, and they asked me what I thought about it, and I said, I don't, I don't, and, and I'll tell you why. Years ago, years ago, uh, they had a, a meeting in Tulsa. They, they built it as the homecoming. Uh, and uh, they brought in everybody, I say in our circles, that of renown. I mean, Brother Hagen was there, T.L. Osborne was there, Charles Capps. I mean, you name it, Brother Copeland, they were all there. And uh, uh, there was a lady, uh, many of you will remember her, many, back in the, 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 the very, very renowned in the late 70s, mid-80s, Vicki Jamison Peterson. And uh, uh, she had a tremendous healing ministry. And to make a long story short, she contracted cancer. She got cancer. Uh, and, uh, of course, they were standing for her health. Well, during that meeting, during that meeting, uh, uh, a certain lady came and uh, uh, was praying for her. And this lady had the manifestation of what the Catholic Church calls it stigmata. All right? And... Uh, uh, she would get uh, nail holes in her hands, blood, uh, blood in her side, blood on her back, her feet, around her head. And people say, how do you know? She's a personal friend of my family. And, and now I'm not saying that that's right. I'm just saying we, we knew this person very well, knew the family very well. And uh, she prayed for uh, Sister Vicki. And when she took her hand off of her shoulder, there was a feather that fell to the ground. And the lady immediately said, oh, it's, it's the, the Holy Spirit has been here and, and touched you. Well, I mean, you know, of course there were people in the audience that were just wowed by that. You know, I'm not because the Holy Spirit's not a bird. He's a spirit, not a bird. Well, I'm telling you this story for a reason. And so there were a couple of ministers that, that had... They, they had been there and filmed it. And they came to Pastor Caldwell and they said, uh, we're going we're gonna to expose her. We're going to expose her because she palmed that feather and we're going to expose her. And he said, well, I wouldn't do that. 
And they said, well, we appreciate what you're saying, but we're going to go to Brother Hagin. And so they went to Brother Hagin. And, and this has stuck with me all these years. And Brother Hagin said, uh, no, he said, you don't need to expose it. He said, because uh, what you'll end up doing is making it hard for anybody that believes and operates in the supernatural to be effective. I don't, I don't get involved talking about a lot of things because if, if you're not careful, if you don't stay above the fray, you'll cause people to have doubt in the true manifestation. You know, people say, but that guy missed it. Well, join the missed it boat, right? I mean, everybody's missed it. I've missed it, you know. I, I don't know about you, but I have, right? I've missed it. And, uh, and uh, uh, thankfully that, that, that God forgives, right? But the point, the point is, is uh, the church has to stay focused on the, the purpose of the church. And so Ephesians 4 and verse 11, uh, of course, the apostle Paul said he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is an important phrase tonight, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every uh, wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So the goal of the Christian life is maturity. The goal of the, the walk of the believer is to grow up, to grow up into Christ. And uh, uh, we've talked about the word perfecting, meaning equipped or furnished, and then a perfect man is a fully grown or a mature person. And the reason for that equipping is so that that believer can do the work of the ministry, which... Uh, uh, ultimately edifies the body of Christ. But notice this arriving at maturity is also so that b- the believer is no longer a child uh, that can be moved by winds of doctrine. The, the defense against deception is maturity. If the, the more mature a believer is, the less chance of deception there is. And uh, we're to mature so that we can recognize that deception and recognize deception. A fully grown believer is not driven by every wind of doctrine. They're not driven by every wind of doctrine. And that's what that means. It it says, uh, 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 tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. It means that, that in the Greek, that, that wind of doctrine is driving that pushing, that person, pushing them. Uh, a fully grown believer is not driven by every wind of doctrine or, or, or driven by every new book that comes out or whatever the case may be. Uh, this is so important because it carries the idea of being thrown off course by wrong doctrine, by false teachers, getting thrown off course. Uh, one translation, the Knox translation says... Driven before the wind of each new doctrine. Driven before the wind of each new doctrine. And uh, this is important. Again, the defense against deception is maturity. 
there are things that I'm too old to be fooled by. In the natural, there are things I'm too old to be fooled by. Amen. Right? Remember when your kids were small and you could put a penny or a quarter or whatever in your hand and fool them, you know, make it disappear? Because, because they, they, they weren't watching or they didn't know what you were doing or whatever the case may be. But, you know, once they got up 8, 10 years old, they were like, uh, I don't work no more, Dad. Well, too, too old, right? You couldn't deceive them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. The defense against deception is maturity. As a person grows, the less deceptive deception works on them. Notice in Matthew 24. And this is in in, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it says the same thing. So we won't go to all of these verses. But Matthew 24 and verse 4 will suffice. And uh, it says... Jesus said to the disciples, take heed that no man deceive you. Take heed that no man deceive you. He also said that in Mark 13, 5 and Luke 21, 8. Take heed that no one deceive you. What does that mean? I have to allow myself to be deceived. I have to allow it. I have have to permit it. All right. Uh, uh, Another translation says, see to it that no one misleads you. It's the same context and the same verbiage that Jesus said, take heed that you don't worry. All right, in, in the book of Luke, which is the, the book Refusing the Care, that's, that's the basis of that book. Jesus said, take heed, all right, that you don't, that your soul, that your life doesn't be overrun by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, uh, surfeiting, and all these other things. What does that mean? I am in charge of whether I worry. I'm in charge of whether I get anxious and carry care. I am also in charge of whether I get deceived or not. It's up to me. Amen. See, that's why, and and I, I don't have time to get into this. We may do it in another message. That's why it's so important that you become acutely in tune with your spirit and that and that you're functioning from that spirit realm. It's it's in to me that that God said in uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 23 he through the Holy Spirit said uh, that you are a spirit soul and body I pray God your whole spirit soul and body be preserved until the coming of the, our Lord Jesus Christ God always starts in the chain of command and he always starts with the part of man or the issue that can change things God doesn't deal with your mind first or God doesn't deal with your flesh first. He deals with your spirit. God deals with you in your spirit. And if I can become acutely in tune with my spirit and aware of the nuances in the spirit realm, it's hard to be deceived. It's hard to be deceived. I, I have to take heed. I have to be paying attention to that. Now, no one is just deceived. Here's what I mean by that. They allow themselves to be deceived. No one gets deceived by accident. No more than anybody accidentally sins. Oh, glory, that went over big. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, but you understand? Hallelujah. It's not accidental. I don't accidentally get deceived. I don't get deceived without my cooperation. 
And 2 Timothy 3, the Apostle Paul, in writing to Timothy, the pastor of the church of Ephesus, In verse 13, chapter 3 and verse 13, he said, But evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. They'll go from bad to worse. Notice, deceiving and being deceived. But continue, or you continue, in the things that you've learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them, and that from a child you've known the Holy Scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable, notice, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. That, that, that's that word again. And then Paul expounds on it. Thoroughly furnished. That's what it means. Perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So he says that the goal of these men is to deceive because they are deceived. All right, over and over again, different translations say they deceive because they are deceived. And so he says the goal is for them to practice deception. But notice, Paul told Timothy, the pastor of that church, that what? The answer to deception was to continue in the word. Continue in the word. Continue preaching what you're preaching. Continue doing what you're doing. Know what the scripture says. Hallelujah. The word is how we grow and mature. That, that's why Paul wrote in, or Peter wrote and said, but you should desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's, it's not programs that guard against deception. It's the word that guards against deception. Amen. What we see in the world right now is are, are people that are deceived. And, and, and you, you name it, whatever it is, whether it's the cancel, cancel culture, the wokeism, the, you name it, whatever it is, it's deception. All right? It's, 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 the, it's the enemy working his deception. And people that know the word understand how to not be fooled by that. In, 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 in the church. In the church, what we're seeing a rise of again is, is, is backing off and, and let's, once again, you know, we want people to come back to church and we, we want them to be comfortable, so let's back off. Let's not put any pressure on them. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we ought to be having church more as we see the day approaching, not less. Not less, more. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together and even the more as you see the day approaching. Mature people understand that. That I'm not looking for a way to do less. I'm looking for a way to do more. Because that, that, that's my answer. That, that's where the answer is. It's not just about having services. It's what's being said in the service. The, the local church is the safe place against deception, against, uh, 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 against trickery, against the enemy's uh, we, uh, uh, wiles and schemes. It's in the local church that you find the freedom from that. Amen. And notice he says, the word... 
will make the believer wise to deception. Verse 15, you've known the Holy Scriptures that are able to make you wise. Make you wise to deception. Hallelujah. And then he says that the Scripture is profitable. And then he outlines these four different things. Number one, for doctrine. Doctrine. Sound doctrine defends against deception. It's, it's not something new. It's the doctrine that's tried and true. You know, Paul made such a strong statement. He said this. He said, if I or an angel from God comes and preaches any other doctrine or any other message than what you're hearing here, let them be a curse. Let them be anthema. Let them be cut off from God. That's a strong statement. You know, if a pastor stood up today and made that statement, oh, the social media platforms would go crazy. Oh, he's saying he's the only one that's got truth. Paul wasn't saying he was the only one that had truth, but he's saying, I'm preaching, I'm giving you sound doctrine. And if somebody else comes and preaches something different, you're in danger of deception. Doctrine keeps people safe. Doctrine's not flashy. But it's foundational. And it's what keeps people safe. I was talking to a man not too long ago. Uh, as a matter of fact, just a couple weeks ago at my grandson's birthday party. Wonderful man of God. And uh, him and his wife are evangelists. And uh, 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 he has, I don't, I don't know how many degrees this brother has. I mean, that's, that's his life. And, but he, in the denomination that they're a part of, he travels around with another man and they, they do doctrine seminars about the doctrines of the church. And I was talking to him, and, and I said, don't you agree that one of the greatest problems we have in the church today is a lack of doctrinal teaching? He said, absolutely, 100%. 100%. You can listen to the worship music that's coming out from the big worship music houses and understand they're not getting doctrinal teaching because their songs aren't doctrinally sound. There's no, doc, there's no doctrinal foundation to them. But then you go back and you listen to songs that were written by Charles Wesley and, and, these, and write songs about redemption, songs about the blood of Christ. And, you know, it's not old versus new. It's, it's that when, there, when doctrine is sound, it comes out in everything the church does. Amen. Doctrine will make your family strong. Doctrine will make your marriage strong. Doctrine will make your life strong because it's founded on something. You can't be deceived. Amen. Hallelujah. Then he said it's profitable for reproof. Now, I know I know reproof doesn't sound profitable, but notice he says that comes from the scripture. Well, what is reproof? Aid against deception. Amen. Re re reproof will scare deception. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then he said, notice, he said, uh, oh, there's another one. Correction. 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 I, I remember one time I had a, a minister in the fellowship that was ministering. And uh, uh, they, they were ministering along a certain line. 
and they were ministering in the afternoon at Faith Explosion. And, and I want to say, first of all, their, their heart was right. Uh, uh, they wanted to do the right thing, but they started preaching along a certain line, and uh, uh, they started making some statements, and I just, I was sitting there, and I, I said, well, no, that's not right, and that's not right. And uh, 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 they, they went ahead and finished the message, and, and uh, 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 a day or so later, the next afternoon or so, some, I, uh, I let them know, okay, well, this that you said, that, that wasn't right, and this is why. And we went, we went to the Word. And uh, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It wasn't something that was maybe the difference between heaven and hell, but it was, it was starting down a pathway of, of, of deception. And what fixed that? Correction. Correction. You hear, you hear a lot today about the ecclesia, the called out ones. And, and, and the idea, what you're hearing a lot of, is that the called out ones are going to take over, you know, uh, uh, the world. And it's what, what do they call it? The seven mountains of influence. And, you know, we're going to take over the media and take over entertainment. And no, we're not. No, we're not. That's false doctrine. Yeah, but I heard so-and-so and and I like him. I don't don't care. That's that's false doctrine. We can impact it. We can influence it. But you got to understand something. The only person that will ever take over this earth and rule it is Jesus Christ. We are here occupying, doing business until he comes. If that was the case, the Apostle Paul would have said that in his writings to the church. And he never said it. He said what's going to happen is that if you live godly and righteously, you're going to suffer suffer persecution. You're going to overcome, but the world's going to persecute you. We're never going to take over the political spectrum because because that's, that's not how the kingdom operates. We can influence politics, but but that's wrong doctrine. Hallelujah. What what why is it why is it so bad? It's deceptive. Because you've got people right now that believe that their job as the church is to perfect the earth and bring Jesus back. That's deceptive. We will never perfect this earth, ever. This earth is laboring under the curse. Romans chapter 8 says the whole creation is groaning in birth pains, waiting for the, re- for the revealing of the sons of God, waiting for that day when immort- immortality takes on immortality and the glorification of our bodies is, 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 is finished. This earth cannot be purged and perfected until the dead in Christ rise. They have to rise first. And after that point, after the rapture of the church and after that, that time of the great tribulation, Jesus is going to return and the earth is not going to be destroyed and remade. It's going to be purged from the sin and the curse and the bondage that came on it. And then will have a perfect place. Hallelujah. When the Bible calls us the church, the ecclesia, we are the called out ones. Right? Where have we been called out from? Called out of darkness into light. Called out of the world into the kingdom of God. Amen. We do rule and reign in the earth in Christ. By Christ, we exercise authority. But God has never called the church to take over the seven mountains of influence. Amen. 
Now, then he said, instruction in righteousness. Scripture is profitable for that. Well, well, why is that so important? Because you've got to be instructed in your righteousness. That's not instruction in right living. That's instruction in your right standing. That aids you against deception. See, this is a deceptive statement. And, And people don't think of it this way. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. That's deception. You are not an old sinner saved by grace. You are a new creature in Christ, cleansed from your sin, and made holy and righteous in His sight. Amen. But He says that those things have to be addressed. And Paul told Timothy, the way you do that is continue in the things that you've learned. The Phillips translation says that it is profitable for teaching the faith, And correcting error, and here it is, for resetting the direction of a man's life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All of these are defense against deception. And they all come from the Word taught in the local church. The Word taught in the local church keeps you safe. Hallelujah. Notice 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 14. Notice it says, Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Now, now, this is not giving Adam an out. Adam sinned willfully. All right, Eve was deceived. Adam wasn't deceived. But here's what the point I want you to see here. The tool of the enemy from the beginning was deception. From the beginning. And if we go over to Genesis chapter 3, we'll see this. The tool of the enemy from the beginning was deception. And uh, I want to show you how this works. Verse 1, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden, of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, notice, you shall not surely die. Now, we've read these verses before, but I want you to see something. One of the first evidences of deception is that it contradicts the Word. It contradicts the Word. This is so important. Eve knew what God had said. Eve knew what God had said. God said... Don't eat of the trees. Now, she said, don't touch it. And some people say she added that. If if you believe that, that's fine. But the point is, is she knew what God had said. And notice this. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. And the serpent said, ah, you won't die. God said they would. He said you won't. God said they would. 
The defense against deception is what did God say? She gets deceived, and once he starts down that pathway of deception, now what God said was not good begins to look good. It, 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 she looked at that tree totally different than she ever had before. Because before when she looked at that tree, she looked at it as God said, don't eat of that tree. Now she's looking at it like, that might be something I want. Amen. That, that, that's, that's, how the enemy, that's how the enemy operates. It, it often goes like this. Uh, is that really what that means? Is that really what that means? Right? I mean, you, you've got a whole, a whole movement today trying to prove that homosexuality is okay in the Bible. I mean, it's, it's, it's all over the place. Well, you know, when the Bible says uh, uh, not to, not to uh, you know, that effeminate and things like that, that, that they won't inherit the kingdom of God, that's actually referring to male temple prostitutes. And, you know, if you're not a male temple prostitute, then there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, God's not against any, uh, you know, loving uh, relationships between one man and another man and one woman and another. That's a lie. That's a deception. That, that's the enemy trying to soft shoe his way into people's lives and deceive them. Amen. That, that's just one illustration. Is that what that really means? It is. It's what it really means. Hallelujah. I, I had a young man send me something the other day, asked me how uh, I would answer this. Is This is a young man that... that uh, got saved in our church, and a, and a pastor that he rents a, a room from for a Bible study, a pastor of a of a of a mainstream denomination, made the statement: "There's nothing in the Bible that is against loving uh, monogamous same-sex relationships." This is a pastor. People say, what do you think when you heard that? He's deceived. He's deceived. See, it's, here's what the world wants you to think. That if you call wrong what God calls wrong, that you are biased, that you are a bigot, that you, right? No, the Bible says there'll be a day when people call good evil and evil good, but it says don't be deceived by that. You hold fast to what you know is right. Amen. So what should Eve have done? No, God said, we don't eat of that tree. Now that sounds simple, but that was the answer. Because the way you answer deception is what does the word say? Some, some years ago, uh, I don't know how many years ago, it would have been, uh, oh my goodness, 2010 or 11 or something. There, there was a book that came out by a minister and it was wildly popular. And, uh, you know, I had uh, uh, people reading it. And let, let me drop something there. And you do whatever you want to with this. You can think whatever you want to think about it. You know, if, if the leaders in your church, your pastors and whatnot, if they're not endorsing certain books, why are you reading them? Well, I can read whatever I want. You sure can. You can read whatever you want. But, but think about that. 
If I had a guy bring me a book one time, and it was a book about prayer. And he says, uh, uh, have you ever read this? I said, nope. He said, do you want to? I said, nope. I have no desire to read it. Well, I'm, I knew some things about what the guy believed. Well, you know, that didn't faze him at all. He's like, oh, well, I think it's pretty good. Your, your pastor just says, I would not read that book if I were you. See, there's safety there. So anyway, this book was out and people were reading it in my church. And so I thought, well, you know, I guess I need to know what's, what's being said there. And I, and I was reading the book, and you know, some of it was okay. But I got to some of the, the chapters more toward the middle of the book, towards the end of the book, and uh, he made this statement. He said, First John was written to Gnostics. And he said, when John said, if, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, that was not written to the believer. That was written to Gnostics. Wasn't written to the believer. And here, here was his, his point. Because if you're born again, if you've been born again, all your sins have been forgiven. Past, present, and future. So even if you make a mistake in sin, you don't need to confess it or ask for forgiveness. It's already been taken care of. Well, that's deception. So, so you know, First John could not have been written to Gnostics. It's impossible. Be, be, because over and over again, he uses the term, beloved, my little children. Amen. No, it was written to believers. If we fail, if we miss the mark, if we sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, understand, all of your sins have been paid for, past, present, and future. But if you miss it, you got to own it, you got to repent, and you've got to ask God to forgive you. There, there, there's no way around that. There, there is no easier way than the way God said to do things. It might be harder on your flesh, but you're less concerned about your flesh than you are about your spiritual well-being. Amen. Now, hallelujah. So believers have to see to it that they're not deceived. Look over here in Acts chapter 20. Anything that contradicts the word has to be put away immediately. Anything. That contradicts the word. Has to be put away. Uh, because it's, it's just not, it's deception. It's deception. And uh, Acts 20 and verse 28. It says, take heed, Paul is talking to the pastors here in Ephesus. Take heed therefore unto yourselves. And to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Why? For I know this, that after my departing, grievous wolves will enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. The Knox translation says they'll come forward with a false message. Another translation says they will distort the truth. A false message 
and they will distort the truth. And he's writing to pastors, and he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Verse 30 says, they will, they will, of your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. The Phillips translation says, trying to draw away the disciples and make them followers of themselves. So they deceive to gain followers. Yet they're violent wolves that don't care about the flock. Hallelujah. And notice, they do that through deception. Through deception. The defense against wrong teaching is the words you hear taught in the local church. He said, Paul said, the first line of defense against deception is the pastor in the local church. That's the first line of defense. Hallelujah. Because he's talking to pastors. He says, listen, guys, overseers, pastors, here's here's what I know. That there's going to be people that rise up and they're going to try to enter in and not spare the flock. I have a zero tolerance policy for wolves. Zero. People say, what do you do to wolves? Rock them. That means I pick up rocks and throw it at them. Amen. Well, what do you do with goats and sheep? Milk them. Amen. I fleece them. Help them grow. But you rock wolves. Amen. Because because a wolf is deceptive. And and notice, Paul said they're going to arise from within your ranks. And they're going to be teachers. They're going to sound good. They're going to look good. They're going to be popular. But he says they're wolves and they don't care about the flock. Hallelujah. I I, I know this can seem elementary, but the people that you trust are the... Now, now I I understand there are people on, you know, in ministries, television ministries and whatnot that we trust. They've proven it over the years. But here's what I want you to see is the people that you trust are the people that are here teaching you the word day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, and the people that they trust to put in the pulpit. Those are people that will help keep you safe from deception. Amen. 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 What, what, what you judge every other thing by is what you hear in the local church. What, do, what is said in my church? I've, I've trained myself over the years. What, what does my pastor say about that? And if I don't know, I find out because I don't want to be deceived. Amen. And, 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 and there are people that will say, well, you know, people need to think for themselves. Well, of course they need to think for themselves. You need to think for yourself. We're teaching you how to be mature and think for yourself and believe God for yourself. But here's the issue. Paul said these people are going to arise and they're going to try to deceive people. And the first line of defense is the pastor in the local church. The very first line of defense. Amen. So the defense against wrong teaching is the word you hear taught. The, the local church is more important now than it's ever been. It's more important now than it's ever been. 
Amen. And it's, it's not just because of what the world's going through. It's, it's because of the deception that, that, that's in the world. Notice in 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And that's why, that's why you go to a Bible study, you judge what's in that Bible study, but what does your pastor say? Ah, but, yeah, but they're good people. I, I understand. But you, listen, I had a, I had a friend of mine one time that a uh, 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 family in their church ha- had a guy that was coming over and, and doing a Bible study, and he was a prophet. And, uh, and I say that, I know real prophets, but this guy wasn't a prophet. And uh, uh, he, 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 had, he came over, and my friend uh, that pastored the church, uh, you know, finally, isn't it interesting, finally they invited their pastor over to hear what this other guy was saying. And so he went, and uh, uh, he said, you know, he heard this guy talk, and, and, and he wasn't really talking the word. He was, he, mainly he was talking about all the bad things that happened to people that didn't view him as a prophet. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, he got through about 30, 40 minutes, an hour or so of that. And he said, he finally looked at him and said, well, pastor, you haven't said much. What do you have to say? And uh, my friend said, you know, he said, actually, I drink, drunk a, uh, dr- drank a lot of iced tea. And so I said, well, I need to go to the restroom first and then I'll be right back. And so uh, he came back and he sat down and he said, so what do you think? And he said, well, the first thing I think is you're not a prophet. You're a, you're a phony. Amen. You're a phony. And, and uh, you know, and he, and he went through all this and he said, and, and secondly, he said, I defy what you're saying. And he said, nothing's going to happen to me. Nothing's going to happen to my wife or my kids or my refrigerator. My stove's not going to quit working. Nothing. Right. Amen. And he said, then I looked at everybody that was there that went to my church and said, now here, I can't make you do anything. But here's what I advise you to do. I advise every one of you to take your family and get out of here right now because this guy's a wolf. Amen. Now, my friend, uh, or the, 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 this acquaintance of mine, he's not a, a real confrontive person. But here's the thing. When, when, when a pastor is dealing with things and defending his flock against deception, he's operating out of that, of, out of that anointing and out of that office. Amen. If sheep were capable of taking care of themselves, why did God give them a shepherd? That doesn't mean you can't know the word for yourself and you can't believe God for yourself. But if you could do everything you needed to do on your own as a sheep, why did God give you a shepherd? Why do you need a shepherd? Why do you need somebody to watch for your soul? Why do you need somebody to care for you? Why did Jesus, who is the the chief shepherd, say that the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep? And the good shepherd sees the wolf coming and he does something about it. He said the hireling doesn't do anything about it. He runs because he doesn't care for the sheep because they're not his own. The pastor in the local church has no option. He knows he's called by God to take care of that flock and watch over those sheep. And he'll do whatever it takes to guard them against deception. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do do you see that? And Paul says that's the first line of defense. That's the first line of defense. 1 Timothy 3. Oh, glory. And that's why very often 
uh, from time to time. Somebody will tell me, well, I feel like I'm called to pastor. What do you think? And the first thing I say is, are you willing to lay your life down for the sheep? Because if that's not the first thing you're willing to do, then you're not cut out for it. That's, uh, that's, that's vital. And it's, it's, not, it's, it's not worrying about what everybody thinks and, and just being everybody's servant, although the, the biggest servant in the church is the pastor, but that, that's, not, that's not what that means. When laying down your life for the sheep means you're the first line of defense. When Jesus wrote in John chapter 10, when he spoke in John chapter 10, and, and the shepherd would pull the, the, the sheep into the sheepfold at night, there was no gate. There was no physical gate. The shepherd was the gate. He made his bed in the, in the entryway into that fold. For the wolf to get into the sheep, he had to go through the shepherd. Don't be deceived. There are ravening wolves in the world and in the church, but I promise you, in between you and the wolf is the shepherd. Hallelujah. And, 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 and that, that, that is why the, the local church is so important. That's why the enemy in, in the year of the, the pandemic year that none of us will ever forget. That's why he attacked the church so much. That's why he wants people to get comfortable staying at home and watching online and not coming and assembling themselves together. Because no matter how much you love your church and no matter how much you can sort of enjoy the message over the, over the, the camera, you're not in the presence of your pastor. You're not in the presence of the shepherd. He's not seeing your face. They can't understand and know and feel in the spirit that something's going on with you. When your shepherd looks at your face, there's something in the spirit realm that comes, that begins to take place and they can know something's wrong, something's off, something's not right. They can talk to you, help you, rescue you, protect you, whatever it may be. Amen. Amen. And it's not that somebody that watches online is doing something wrong. That's not what I'm saying. There's, there's, I, I understand there's times that needs to be. But when someone forsakes the assembling of themselves together, they become open to deception. See, right now there's an anointing right here setting things right. It's, it's correcting things. It's like a spiritual chiropractic adjustment. There, you're going to walk out of here straighter than you came in. You're going to walk out of here without the kinks and the, and the bumps. Why? Because the anointing sets things straight. No, there doesn't have to be a counseling session. There doesn't have to be a time set up. You're here. The word's going forth. You're being changed. Oh, hallelujah. I'm so glad that early on I got involved with an organization that saw the value of the local church and the value of the office of the pastor. I've had pastors tell me before, you know, I like what you say about the office of the pastor, but I I just could never bring myself to say that. Oh, so you don't want to magnify your office? It's not magnifying the man, it's magnifying the office. I'm telling you, every, every, every tool that is necessary to equip you to do what God called you to do is in my tool belt. I can help you do it. Amen. When, when, when a carpenter comes to my house to work, I don't, I don't want that carpenter to pull out painter's tools. That's not what I'm paying you for, am I right? If, if you walk out and you, you walk out to a painter's truck, you're going to see paintbrushes. You're going to see ladders. You're going to probably see paint. 
If, if, if you go out to a carpenter's truck, you're going to, right? You're going you're gonna to see carpentry tools. You're going to see nail bags. You're going to see these different things. Listen, when you come and you set up in the local church on a consistent basis, what you see is people being thoroughly furnished unto every good work. You see marriages getting stronger. You see families getting stronger. You see people finding their place in Christ. You see stability coming into people's life. Why? Because Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, he said, I desire to see your face so that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift that in the end will produce stability in your life. And so right now, something's being said that's producing stability in you. And it'll fix those things that may want to go awry. Amen. We're going to get to 1 Timothy. <laughs> Amen. Whew. Do, 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 do you see that? So 1 Timothy 3 and 15, he said, If I tarry long, that thou, or so that, it is so that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, the local church. The word pillar is a post or support. It carries the idea of a supportive column. The word ground is a stay, an anchor, something immovable. Something that's settled and steadfast. So ultimately you put all that together. The local church keeps people anchored to the truth. Keeps people anchored to the truth. Hallelujah. And, And they become steadfast. They become settled. They become immovable. Hallelujah. See, you got to be careful listening to people that have no vested interest in you. Hallelujah. You, you hear what I'm saying? Be, be careful about going to Bible studies where that person has no vested interest in you. I mean, who's holding them accountable for what they're teaching you? Who's, who's checking their theology? <laughs> Hallelujah. That prayer meeting people keep inviting you to. Who, who authorized that? Who's checking on them? Well, you know, but pastor, we have a right to do what we want. Yes, you do, but I'm asking you some very pertinent questions. How, how do you know what, what's being taught there is right? If, if you came to your pastor and said, what do you think about this Bible study? Would he know what's going on? If the person hadn't come and tell, tell them that they're having it, are they hiding something? Or was it an oversight? Your pastor has a vested interest in the person holding the incognito Bible study is not going to stand before God about your soul. Your pastor is. Colossians says that the pastor is charged with presenting his church perfect before Christ. Amen. That, that's why, that's why. In our church, we have, we have our, our life groups that, that they're, they're working on getting them back up and running. 
That's a safe place to go and hear the word. Because those, those are people that myself and Pastor Ron uh, handpicked and talked to uh, two, two, three years ago. Amen. There's, there's no agenda. There's nothing hidden. Pastor Ron, when, when they're up and running, he visits each group, checks them out. Amen. There's your Bible study. It's safe. Why is it safe? It's authorized by the church. It's an authorized place. Amen. See, a, a, a pastor is a parent. Am I, am I, am I helping you all? If you give me five more minutes. A pastor is like a parent. I don't let my kids just go to anybody's house. I don't let them just eat anything, anybody's cooking. I don't let them just hear anything. Because I'm a good parent. And, and sometimes they don't like the fact that I'm not going to let them do this. But I don't want you to be deceived. Mm, hallelujah. So the local church keeps people anchored. If you could remain immovable, steadfast, and settled on your own, the word would have said that, but it didn't. See, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. You can't just do anything and stay safe. Hallelujah. Yeah, but you know, uh, so they're teaching out of so-and-so's book. That, that's not the point. Who authorized that? And you know, if you recruit people to come pray with you off-site, who authorized you to do that? Who okayed that? Well, you can't tell me who to pray with. No, I can't. But if you wanted to do it right, you would say, hey, me and this group of people, we're going to get together on Monday evenings and pray. I'm not saying anybody's doing that. I'm just, this is the guard against deception. If you want to do it right, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, you know, Pastor, we're, we're going to get together and me and this group, we're going to meet down at Guillermo's or wherever on Tuesday mornings and we're going to study the Word. Do you have a problem with that? Well, no, probably not. I'm not going to have a problem with that. I know, I know most of y'all. But here's, here's the point. Why, why is that important? Because it shows you don't have an ulterior motive. You've got nothing to hide. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, let, let me wrap this up with this. I got one more statement after this. The people that I have great respect for, I remember something Jerry Savelle told me years ago. And this was when Brother Jerry was here for the very first time. Uh, y'all might remember that. But I was taking him back to his room, and he made a statement to me, and I've never shared this publicly, and I only share part of it. He said, he said uh, 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 I was always available for Pastor Caldwell for whatever he needed. He said, I'm making myself available to you on that same level. And then he made this statement. He said, I will not come to Little Rock for a meeting unless I call you and tell you. And he said, I will ask you if that's okay with you. And he said, if it's not, I won't come. Now, why is that? People say, well, it it doesn't matter. I I understand that, that line of thinking. But he's saying, I don't want to hurt your church. 
You don't want to hurt where God called you to be. And, and, and do you see that? Never treat church like something that's just an addition to your life. Just another thing you have to do. Because if that becomes your mindset, you'll become disconnected from the very thing that can change your life. When you come to church, it, it doesn't matter. I, I remember one time preaching on Mark eleven twenty two through 24 for 21 weeks. 21 weeks. We, we had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Friday night, and Monday night Bible study. And I preached on, on those verses for 21 weeks in every service. And I had a guy that one Sunday, one Sunday, uh, two, two instances, one Sunday I uh, was preaching on that again, and it was, it was a guy that was an usher, and uh, he had been, been there all 21 weeks. And on the 21st week, I, I taught, and I, and I said, Jesus said, you can have what you say. I could see it visibly. I could see his face light up. And man, he ran up to me after church, and he said, Pastor, I got it. And it only took me 21 weeks. Changed his life. I had another guy that, that, that the next week I ministered on something else. And he came up to me after church and said, boy, I'm glad you ministered on something else. And I said, really? Why is that? And he said, I couldn't have took one more sermon on having what you say. Now, you think that it's any wonder that that guy backslid? Be, 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 because when you come to church... And the pastor says, let's turn to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Don't let that thought come into your mind. Is he going to preach on faith again? Don't ever do that. Because that disconnects you. And I'll end with this. The, 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 the defense against deception is staying thrilled with what God's doing through the word in your life. Thrilled with it. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Amen. Hallelujah. This, this, this is important. This whole series has been sheep food. That's what me and my wife call it, sheep food. And, and, and that, it, it means it, make, it makes you grow. You know, we sat down to, to, to dinner tonight, and we had some, uh, you know, cauliflower and mushrooms and onions and, and different things. And, uh, you know, all of us ate that. Pastor Michelle and I didn't eat the good healthy food. And give Lily a cupcake. Does she ever eat cupcakes? Yes, because she hangs out with Miss Gloria. <laughs> we give her cupcakes too. But, but the point is, to balance out that cupcake, there needs to be some broccoli. Right? Sheep food will help us grow. I hope you got something out of that tonight. Amen. Let's stand up, shall we?